Hi, welcome, welcome. A good Nero Shabbos. So we are, Parshas told us, we are entering into the world of Yaakov and Esav, the twin children of Yitzchak and Rivka, and in perhaps the most confusing and complex and deep anecdotes that the Torah shares with us is the personal struggle of Rivka when she discovers that she's pregnant. And it's a small two or three uh, sentence narrative after Yitzchak and Rivka pray to Hashem, they daven to Hashem because Rivka can't have children. And God listens to the tefillah of Yitzchak and Rivka becomes pregnant. And of course, we all know what happens. The children inside of her are struggling. It would seem simply that from the reading, the basic reading, the shot reading of the Pasuk, that the children, she knew already that there were twins and these two twins were fighting with each other. Somehow Rivka intuited or knew that the experiences she was having inside of her womb, what she was feeling was not the typical regular kinds of experiences that a pregnant woman experiences. Something was off. And of course, the famous Medrash teaches us that when she would walk past a place of idol worship, when she would walk place, past a place of debauchery, of things that were dark, so she'd feel an impulse, a strong kicking inside. The baby wanted to come out. And when she would pass a place of light, of beauty, of holiness, of a base medrash, of a shul, of something beautiful and holy and transcendent, she would also feel a kick, a baby wanting to come out. But Taimaran, she says, What is all this for? Why do I need this? Why is this for me? And she went to speak to God. And God tells her, Hashem answers her. And he says to her, there are two nations inside of you. Two kingdoms will be birthed of your womb. One kingdom will become mightier than the other kingdom. And the older kingdom, the elder kingdom, will serve the younger kingdom. And seemingly, this, uh, this relaxes her. This seems to give her uh, a real sense of comfort. She doesn't, doesn't complain anymore. She, her days to give birth were filled. And behold, there were twins inside of her. And the rest is history. Already the Svarim point out, the Balasulam points out very clearly, but the Svarim already point out the symbol, the symbolic nature of what is, what is this inner war that Rivka has and what's the answer? What is she being told? That of course, every one of us has experiences inside of us. Banim, children, those are character traits. Those are impulses. Those are dreams, hopes, realities, parts of ourselves, parts that we love, parts that are completely a part of who we are. 
there are things that go on inside of ourselves that seem to be in conflict with each other. They, they don't just seem to be in conflict with each other. They pull us in different directions. Compelled to sin, pulled towards impulse, curious, interested, and acting, enacting things that are not good for us, yet things that feel very, very exciting and interesting. And at the same time, having a conscience, being idealistic, searching for beautiful moments of grace and peace, high levels, high concentrations of beauty, of good, of light. Every one of us experiences that. And then we say to ourselves, well, I don't get it. This is not who I am. A, I'm not meant to be in conflict. Isn't maturity mean that I know who I am? That's number one. More importantly than that, and this is particular to us as religious Jews, isn't the definition of who I am a Jew? Isn't the definition of who I am some culture? Don't I identify as being a part of this community, a part of this group, and even not for religious Jews? Every human being would like to assume that they have a clarity about their identity, a clarity of who they are, what sits at the core of their existence? The world today is completely obsessed with this question of identity. And as the generations go on, the question of identity becomes more and more important. It's not simply a question of sexual preference or sexual orientation. It's a question of identity. It's not simply a question of gender or gender dysphoria or gender acceptance or gender pride. It's a question of gender identity. There is something that's magnificently large, that's very Mashiachtic. There's something very mystical that's happening in the cosmos today where we do have a question about identity. Who am I? But what is obviously going wrong or one of the things that is obviously going wrong in this question of identity is the, is the question of exclusion. In other words, I need to find and be clear about and grounded in and settled in my identity with the hopes and the dreams and the fantasy that things that are not a part of my identity are not a part of who I am. And so... We are looking for exclusive identity ship. We are looking for a core sense of who we are, where we belong, what type we are, to the exclusion of anything that doesn't fit into that narrative. Now, there's something very appealing about that. It's like the certainty that adolescents carry. There's something very appealing about that. Life becomes very simple. I identify as part of this group, and then I can become very excited to live the lifestyle of however anyone in this group lives. I don't need to think for myself. I don't need to struggle or grapple with things that feel foreign to me. And a complete immersion in the culture, living there, acting, thinking, feeling, experiencing, and engaging 
in the group that I'm a part of or the identity that I'm a part of. But of course, this comes with a risk. She says, What's the risk? The risk is that when we identify with group A and reject anything that is not part of group A, the chaos and the fragmentation and the struggle grows. Because it's impossible for any of us to completely reject anything about ourselves, because we are much, much more complicated, much more complex, much more sophisticated than simply a one-dimensional question of identity. Nobody can deny the fullness of who we are, because when we attempt to deny the fullness of who we are, those other parts of ourselves come raging back. The good, the bad, the ugly, the chaos, the struggle, and the color, all of it is holy. When we face aspects of ourselves that don't fit the narrative of who we are, we can attempt, out of an inability to bear the brunt of the chaos and the struggle, we can attempt to try to reject aspects of ourselves. We can attempt to try to reject things that feel foreign. We can attempt to reject the darkness. We can attempt to reject the evil and the sins and the mistakes. But that's not what Rivka does. Instead of Rivka attempting to deny herself, the Asav that's, that's growing inside of her, instead of collapsing under the struggle and either giving in to one side or trying to reject one side, she's teaching us something very, very holy here. She's teaching us that when we struggle with the conflicts of life, when we struggle because we thought we were A, and yet we feel ourselves being pulled by B, C, D, and E all the way down through Z, and it doesn't fit into the narrative of who we thought we are, when we are the Rivka, the, 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 the second one of our foremothers, the second matriarch of all of Judaism, simple, innocent, beautiful, married at the age of three, when we assume that the essence of who we are is perfect or is perfectly like A, we end up in big trouble. And so this is what Rivka's experience that she's having. She's being pulled in directions that are opposite, that are different, that are competing, that are conflicting, that are creating struggle and chaos within her. And instead of buckling under the pressure and either giving up or succumbing, she goes to speak to God. She recognizes that this is not meant to be. The struggle is not meant to be so overwhelming. The conflict is not meant to be so overwhelming. The contradiction, the stuckness is not meant to be so overwhelming. She goes to God and it's, it seems to be almost redundant. She experiences that she is, she knows she's having twins. The Torah teaches us that she's having children. She's, she knows she's having twins. She goes to God and God simply says to her, yes, you're having twins. And yes, they struggle. Yes, they fight. Yes, they go in different directions. What Hashem's teaching Rivka is, honey, my beautiful, sweet Rivka, 
you are absolutely correct. You experience chaos in you. You experience struggle in you. You are meant to carry both light, both beauty, and darkness, and ugly. You are going to have a Yaakov, and you're going to have an Esav. You will birth both, and they are twins. They will be born at the same time. The light and the dark sometimes appear identical. How often in our lives do we get confused between which is the light and which is the dark? And yes, it'll take time for you to figure out who is who, but you need both. You need to love the darkness in you just as much as you love the light. You need to nurture the Esav in you just as much as you need to nurture the Yaakov. And you need to make peace with knowing and expand your narrative and expand your identity to include the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the light, and the dark. Do not think you can choose only one and destroy the other. For if you do, you will be destroyed. And not only that, it's not only, Hashem says to them, that you have two nations that exist inside of you, and it is not only that there will be two kingdoms that will be born, that there will be two kingdoms that will be born of you. You will live a life where you will create chaos, fragmentation of pirud, of brokenness. You will leave behind a kingdom in your life of beauty, of productivity, of magnificence, but also of destruction and failure. This is the lot of every human being. It's not only that you are going to be pulled in different directions, but these two different natures that you have, the Yetzirah, the Yetzirah, the light and the dark, they will constantly be struggling with each other. It will appear to you as if there is a war, a duality, a polarity that exists inside of you. And you, Rivka, as their mother, you need to take care of their relationship. They are destined to torment each other forever until, until you work it out. And that's the end of the Pasuk. And that's what Hashem is telling Rivka. Until you get to a point not where Esav is destroyed, not where darkness is destroyed, but you get to a point where Virav Yavoy Tsair. Where the Rav, as Chazal teach us, the Yetzirah is called Rav, right? Esav later on says, Yeshli Rav, I have a lot. The darkness has a lot. There's a lot of darkness. But the darkness is not meant to be destroyed. See, the darkness wants to destroy the light. But the light wants to love the darkness. So you, Rivka, you need to take care of the relationship. They are destined to torment each other until... That which is large, that which looms, that which threatens us with the abyss of oblivion, until the darkness radiating with all of its deep, rich, and holy beauty is ready to be in service of the fiery transcendence of the light. It is only when the darkness and the light align together that you know, Rivka, that you've done your job. It's not about denying the struggle. It's not about denying the sin. It is not about denying the impulse or the compulsion. It's about embracing it all and getting to learn and getting to know and getting to love and getting to embrace and getting to work through and search through the ruins of destruction, search through the ruins of failure, 
search through the darkness to find the light that's there. Because the light that you're going to find in the darkness is going to shine and is going to bring the light of the darkness into the ultimate light. My bracha, my blessing, my hope, my prayer for all of us and for all of our nation and for all of humanity and really for all of the world is that we stop with our stubbornness. We stop with the Brokman fragmentation, with the attempts of identifying with a particular culture at the cost of rejecting something that seems foreign to us and embrace the world with open arms. Embrace the world with love, but most importantly, to embrace ourselves with an openness to everything that there is within us. There's nothing within us that is evil. There's nothing that is in us that is looking to destroy for the sake of destruction. Every impulse and every darkness is holy and beautiful. If we can only have the patience to stick around and wait and bring God down into the deepest parts of ourselves and ask God, what do you want from me here? What is this darkness meant for me here? What is this conflict meant for me here? In what way do you want me to become bigger by expanding my narrative to include those who feel rejected, those who have left, those who have rejected us? And I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and with this I'll, I'll end. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about a particular person we both know who left the folds of Judaism and is married to a non-Jew and living a completely non-religious life. And how sometimes it feels to both of us that this friend misses, he misses potato kugel and he misses a kumzitz and he misses tefillin and he misses Shabbos sometimes, sometimes. And how when he seems to admit to something like that, it's very painful for him. How many people have left the fold of Judaism and have done the same thing to Judaism as Judaism has done to them? That have left the fold of their culture feeling that their culture is one of rejection, one of identity to the degree of rejecting anything that feels foreign. How can we create cultures, attitudes, experiences, where we know who we are, we know who we're meant to be, we know how we want to live, we preserve a tradition and a culture of whatever it is we believe in, and at the same time, to be loving and expanding our hearts to include the aspects of ourselves that seem and appear to be dark, to hold a candle in the middle of that darkness and allow the darkness to expand itself and inform us of what it wants for us and from us and do the same for people. How can we create bridges to the foreign other? How can we create bridges to those who feel that they don't fit? To those that feel that in order to be Jewish, in order to be this, in order to be that, they have to figure out some way to be perfect, to be exact, to the exclusion of anything that's different. Hashem should give every one of us the opportunity, the expansiveness of our own hearts, of our own minds, of our own lovingness, to lend an openness to the parts of ourselves that we 
seemingly want to reject and to lend an openness to those of us around us that don't feel well, that don't feel like they belong, that don't feel that they want to be a part of a society that is simply filled with rejection. My bracha to all of us is that we continue down that path, we continue to expand ourselves, the coming of Mashiach, until the end of time when that which appears to be evil will be expanded to a place of its own sense of rav, of largesse, and that that large, dark, beautiful, rich, beautiful world of the Sahara gets to be in service of the light of Hashem, of transcendence, with the coming of Mashiach, Bimheri, Ramenu, Shabbos, Shabbos.